everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. It has finally happened. Something I never expected while creating this podcast, but more importantly, running the Instagram account. Back in November, Allison Argren started to follow the From Plum Creek with Love Instagram account. She even liked a few posts. So obviously, that was pretty exciting. However, to be slightly outdone by that, just recently, Melissa Gilbert's official Instagram account also liked one of my posts. Which post, you might be asking? The one with the dad jokes. It has been a very, very long time since I have shrieked out loud from excitement like that. And as I look through my analytics provided by Spotify for Podcasters, this podcast has been heard at least by one person in 60 different countries. Now, whether they have continued to listen is a whole different story. But again, when I started this podcast, I never thought my voice would be heard across the planet, let alone the Instagram being liked by Half Pint herself. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled The Silent Cry and debuted on October 20th, 1980. The episode was written and directed by Michael Landon. We begin outside the general store in Sleepy Eye. The camera zooms in, and we see Houston Lamb at the counter, caretaker of the Agba. Ali G, Baby Adam, School for the Blind, picking up some supplies. Cut to Jonathan Garvey outside Garvey's Freighting Company, who's checking on a shipment before sending it out. At this time, Houston Lamb stops by to say hello, his crate full of supplies for maintenance work on the school. As he complains about the work, in the same breath, he beams how much he loves doing the work for the kids. God's only mistake is letting them grow up to adults. Jonathan Garvey mentions it mustn't be too bad because he notices how Houston Lamb is acting like a kid again. Houston double-checks if that's a compliment before saying thank you and heading on his way, walking past the Sleepy Eye Orphanage. Inside, we are in the office of Mr. Case, proprietor of the orphanage, and are introduced to two young boys. Brothers, Michael and Josh. Josh is the youngest of the two, and he's a little shy, as his brother Michael explains. Inside the office is also a couple, the Roonies, who are making a decision whether or not to adopt the boys. The boys are excused from the room and escorted by a Miss Mason as the adults do some talking. Mrs. Rooney is the first one to open her mouth and wonders why Josh never spoke while he was in the room. Come to find out, 
young Josh hasn't spoken yet, which sounds like never spoken yet. We are informed that the boys have been at the orphanage for two months when their parents deserted them, which is also the same amount of time the Sleepy Eye Orphanage has been open. The Roonies admit their hesitation with adopting two boys, and even more hesitation since one of them doesn't speak. And while Mr. Case states an examination showed there was nothing wrong with young Josh, the Roonies only wish to adopt Michael. This entire conversation can be heard from the hall, and Miss Mason steps back into Mr. Case's office and pleads to not allow the separation to happen. But Mr. Case won't hear it and excuses her again. From out in the hall, we hear the paperwork will be completed in one week, as Miss Mason then escorts the boys back to their room. Cut to Agba, late at night. Adam and Mary, finishing some paperwork, announce they're heading to bed. On their way up the stairs, they bump into Houston Lamb, who is busy mending the wall, and also mentions how the two of them are putting in some long hours. Mary takes this time to remind Houston that they don't know when it gets dark. Houston LOLs and admits he hadn't thought of that. And when asked why he puts in his own late hours, Houston admits it's the best time to plaster the walls so the kids don't run their fingers through it. As Mary and Adam head up to bed, Houston Lamb finishes up what he is working on and takes the supplies to the storage unit outside. And inside the storage unit, Houston hears a cough and then notices some movement. That's when Houston Lamb discovers Michael and Josh hiding behind a barrel. Houston comments that this is a strange place to entertain, then proceeds to invite the two of them inside for some cinnamon bread and hot tea. The two boys just stare at him. Houston admits eating with old folks ain't nothing exciting, and starts to leave while essentially leaving an open invitation for the two boys if they change their mind. He gives them directions on where he's located and admits that his cinnamon bread is pretty tasty. Cut to the room of Houston Lamb, and it doesn't take long before Michael and Josh show up. Tea is poured and bread is consumed. Houston then inquires if these two boys are from round here. Michael says no, and then asked where they're heading to, Michael admits they're not entirely sure. It's now at this time Houston introduces himself, and Michael introduces himself and his brother, while also mentioning Josh is not much of a talker. Houston states smart fellows usually aren't. He then invites them to stay the night, because he's got plenty of room, and encourages them to eat some more. We cut back to the orphanage, Mr. Case's office, and all of a sudden, there is a huge downpour going on outside. Miss Mason's at the window. Mr. Case returns, saying there's no sign of the boys, and announces he's going to tell Deputy Garvey. Miss Mason admits it's her fault the boys are gone, 
she was well aware they could hear the conversation from earlier this afternoon. While Mr. Case scolds her, Miss Mason admits what was she supposed to do. They just lost their mother and father, and now they're about to lose each other. Back over in Houston Lamb's room, the boys are asleep, like brothers in a hotel bed, and Houston is putting on a raincoat. In a soft voice, he admits how he hates to have to tell on them, as he opens his door and heads over to talk with Jonathan Garvey. And over at Garvey Freight, Miss Mason and Mr. Case are talking to Deputy Garvey, and he inquires why the boys might have run away. Miss Mason reveals how the two of them were about to be separated, and it's at this moment Houston Lamb enters the room and hears this intel. Deputy Garvey then asks if anyone bothered to ask Josh if he wanted to be separated from his brother. And while Mr. Case admits he's there to run an orphanage, not run the children, Jonathan Garvey states, that's a shame. Mr. Case scoffs back and admits not liking Deputy Garvey's tone of voice. And Deputy Garvey, I don't care, and announces he's going to start looking. Turning around, that's when Deputy Garvey notices Houston and inquires if he needs something. Houston goes quiet and mentions how he's just trying to get out of the rain, but doesn't mention why he's out in the rain. But nonchalantly does inquire what's up. Deputy Garvey tells him about the young runaways before putting on his coat and leaving. We cut to the next morning in Houston's room, who's busy waking up Michael and Josh. He apologizes for the early time, but admits they need to talk. He tells the young boys that whatever they choose to do, it is their decision. However, if they choose to go trapsing around the countryside, they will be discovered very quickly. This is when Houston offers up a shack that he has out in the country until something better comes along. Michael quickly asks why Houston didn't tell on them. Houston admits, most folk think I'm senile. His word, not mine. And then explains it's a word most folks use so they don't have to pay no mind to what old folks think. Quick as a button, Michael admits, him and Josh must also be senile, because most folks don't pay no mind what they think either. In making a decision, Michael agrees to try out living at the shack. Houston smiles before telling the boys that they need to hurry and get on moving before the town wakes up. Cut to Charles and Albert arriving in town. Albert, sitting next to Charles, is nearly as tall as he is. And pulling up and putting on the brakes at Garvey Freights, they are ready to unload. This is when Deputy Garvey arrives back after a long night of searching for these two runaways. And of course, Charles volunteers himself and Albert to help in the search once they finish unloading the wagon. And of course, my thought is, where is Andy in all of this? 
cut to Houston Lamb's Shack, aka Harriet Olson's Old Country Club, aka the Old Lake Kezia Cabin. Houston, with Michael and Josh, are at the shores fishing. Michael is impatient. Houston inquires if their pa ever took the boys fishing. Michael's quick to respond that their father never thought much of fishing, said it was kid stuff. Houston scratches his head and admits, I guess that makes sense. Some folk just spend pennies and buy it in a store. He continues by saying that there are two benefits of fishing. One, you can catch supper and provide for yourself and your family. That's a good feeling. And second, it's just plain fun. This is when young Josh gets a nibble on his string and catches his first fish. It's also the first time we see young Josh smile. Later that afternoon, we see how Mike and Josh are handling living in the shack. Michael heads off to the water to get some H2O and instructs young Josh to gather some firewood. However, young Josh is distracted by a butterfly, and he chases it, most likely thinking, I, I, I am a butterfly. Unfortunately, the chase takes Josh too close to the road, where he is hit by a passing wagon. Just kidding. He is spotted by a passing wagon. And of course, that wagon is driven by Charles, with Albert at his side. Realizing he's been spotted, Josh turns and runs and tries to hide, leading Charles and Albert right to Houston's shack. The two jump out of the wagon and knock on the door. Houston then announces for them to come inside. And when inside, Charles immediately inquires about the young boy who ran in. Houston deflects and inquires, how's Laura? Following it up by admitting the boys are in the room. He then offers up some fresh fish. Charles is upset because Deputy Garvey had to spend all night looking for the boys and inquires, why didn't you just tell him? Houston still avoids answering this, but pulls Mike and Josh out of the closet, literally, and introduces them. Houston tells Charles to then have a seat so they can get down to business. I don't have all the answers, but I knows it's not right separating these brothers. Although Charles agrees, he also states it's not right keeping the boys at the shack. Houston admits that both of these options, splitting up the boys or hiding them, isn't right. But one of them's got to be. Charles then states that it can't boil down to just right and wrong. Boiled, stewed, fried, no mind to me. I just want an answer to my question. Houston states, Charles can't answer the question. And that's when Houston asks for a little time to try to figure it out. A little time won't hurt nobody. Charles grants this permission and admits that he won't be able to keep this secret forever. Well, we know where Laura got it. As Charles gets up to leave, Michael then says thank you. 
Thank you for being senile like the rest of us. Everyone smiles, except Charles, who's confused, and leaves with Albert. That evening, at the Lamb Lodge, Houston tucks Michael and Josh into bed. Michael says they need to say their prayers and calls it a private matter. Houston excuses himself while Michael leads a prayer, asking for a lot of time and the hope to stay with Houston Lamb. He then includes a special shout out to their own parents to help them be happy. Houston, slightly eavesdropping, is holding back his tears as he heads to the door and opens it and does a little bit of his own praying. First, he apologizes for listening in. You know how nosy old people, you know how nosy old folk are. And then continues by saying exactly the same thing as the boys. And he wants them to stay. Cut to the Sleepy Eye Orphanage. We are back in the office of Mr. Case. Houston enters and reintroduces himself and states he wants to adopt some children. Mr. Case doesn't hold back and flat out states that they're looking for younger parents. Houston is very quick to respond, younger don't mean no better. And while Mr. Case agrees, he then inquires about his wife's age. With a smile, Houston shakes his head and admits he's not married, but he's got a nice farm. Mr. Case then inquires about the farm's success, as well as Houston's finances, which are very important. Yearly income, bank accounts. Continuing with that smile, Houston admits he doesn't have anything in the bank, but he does got a house with a roof over his head and some fishing nearby that's really good. And while the farm isn't exactly a working farm, he says he's ready to give it a go. Mr. Case then proceeds to clear his throat and admits that they are wasting each other's time and in the same breath admits Houston isn't qualified and excuses him from the room. Houston gets the message and leaves the office and closing the door says aloud if he wants a working farm well that's what he'll get. Cut to the fields where Myrtle the horse and Houston Lamb are breaking soil as he talks about getting this farm working again. Michael comes out with some water and is then asked if him and Josh are still cleaning the house. Michael assures him they are. Michael then inquires if Houston might be working too hard. Houston tells the boy not to worry and to get back to your own business. Back in Sleepy Eye, Charles informs Albert he's called Caroline to inform her they are going to stay on a few extra days without going into details. And that's when they notice Deputy Garvey heading back to the freight warehouse. And Charles admits that he eventually has to tell Jonathan. And no matter what they do, it's not fair to anybody. Inside the Garvey Freighting Company warehouse, Andy is nowhere to be found. Maybe he's at school? Deputy Garvey 
admits he's had no luck in his search and states after some food he's heading back out again that's when charles blurts it out i know where they are and name drops houston deputy garvey a little po'd as well as very tired charles continues by stating how houston doesn't want the boys split up and how he agrees with that and while deputy garvey agrees he continues he can't pretend the problem will go away we have to go fetch them but first they are going to inform mr case the kids are all right and then head out to pick up the kids from houston at the lamb lodge without telling houston charles was involved as the men leave albert stands there who knows maybe thinking about his own experience at an orphanage back out at the lamb lodge michael is serving up josh some grub and then heads out to get houston we get a shot of josh trying out the food before immediately spitting it back out onto his plate and outside michael comes across houston who is unconscious at the side of the plow trying to wake him up houston is not responsive and michael runs all the way into town for help and heads to the orphanage and into the office of mr case where mr case deputy garvey charles albert and miss mason are waiting michael yells how houston is not moving and the room immediately clears out as miss mason hugs michael later at the lamb lodge the doctor comes out of the room and tells charles jonathan garvey with josh on his lap albert and mr case houston needs to rest and how he told houston five years ago he needed to give up working the fields i don't know what got into him charles charles does he states love the doctor tells charles houston would like to talk to him but not for too long as charles heads towards houston's bed mr case takes this moment to kick a man when he's down look at this place he wanted to adopt a child he doesn't have anything charles not having it tells mr case there's a lot of thing houston has that mr case doesn't mr case decides now is the time to make his exit and tries to collect josh josh pulls jonathan garvey's arms around him tighter jonathan assures the boy that he's going to be all right and that he does need to go with mr case and when asked for an update mr case shrugs his shoulders and says nothing's changed michael is still going to be adopted tomorrow by the Roonies, and that's that we cut to charles by houston's side who finally wakes up and inquires how are my boys he's informed that they're fine they're just worried about him houston then continues i let them down i broke promise 
I told him everything was going to be all right. I tried my best. Houston admits, however, he did lie to himself, which made lying to the boys easier, and that he knew he was fighting a lost cause, and pleads, and pleads not to let the boys be separated. Promise to try. Make them listen to you. You promised you'll try? This is when Houston goes silent. Don't worry, he's just fallen asleep. The doctor comes in to reassure Charles. Houston is actually asleep and excuses Charles and everyone else and says he will stay with Houston for the night. Charles then asks, where's Josh? And he is told by Jonathan with Mr. Case, as well as being informed that nothing has changed. I don't think we can stop it. But Charles, as always, says that he has promised to try that I would. Next day, in Mr. Case's office, Charles is there, Mr. Case is there, the Roonies are there, Albert is there, as well as Jonathan. Charles is doing his best to convince the Roonies not to split up the boys, and while Mr. Case claims he knows what's best, Charles says, no, no you don't, I know what's best. The boys only have each other. Charles then addresses the Roonies and tells them, you're still strangers to these boys. And Mr. Rooney, well, don't make it hard on us. Charles, uh, what about the boys? How difficult is it on them? Tired of the conversation, Mr. Case says, as soon as Miss Mason has Michael ready, they'll be leaving. This is when Albert, the only one with experience being in an orphanage, should put in his own two cents. But he just sits in the chair and rocks with a blank stare, going through an existential crisis and wondering why he's even in this episode. It's at this time, Miss Mason comes running into the room, announcing, no surprise, the boys are gone again. Mr. Case accuses Charles of having something to do with this. Charles admits he wish he had. Then turning to the deputy, Mr. Case blames Jonathan and that old man. This is when Houston comes through the door with Michael and Josh, informing the room how the two boys came over to visit him. Mr. Case states how Houston has interfered with the law one too many times. Houston, what are you going to do? Lock me up the rest of my life? And proceeds to order Mr. Case to sit down and shut up. My words, not his. When Mr. Case complies, Houston takes his time to address the Roonies. While Mr. Rooney suggests the boys wait outside in the hallway, which is how this whole mess started, Houston says no. It's their lives. Folks seem to know what's best for other folks without even bothering to ask them. Houston proceeds to ask flat out, why don't you ask what Josh wants? There's silence in the room. 
Houston demands an answer. Anything you say, you should be able to say in front of the boys. There's more silence. It looks like the adults in the room can't come up with a reason. But Josh, Josh has a reason. He continues that if Josh did speak, one of the things he would ask is, why'd my pa and ma leave me? What's going to happen to me now? Why don't somebody love me? Fighting tears, Houston states, <laughs> a boy doesn't have much reason for him to talk. He continues by saying, Josh is actually the loudest person right now. But you don't hear it with your ears. You hear it with your heart. It's a silent cry. A cry of love. A cry of for caring. I hope to God you never hear that cry. Don't make him cry any louder. Give the boys a chance. Houston takes this moment to apologize to Michael and Josh for letting them down, but guarantees the boys that he loves them and he always will. And that's all I gotta say about that. As Houston announces he has to return the doctor's rig because they took it to get back to the orphanage, he gives Josh a hug and heads out into the hallway. Josh, at this moment, has tears in his eyes and runs after Houston and gives him a big hug. And looking up at him, Josh opens his mouth and tells Houston, I love you. Everyone in Mr. Case's office has stepped into the hallway and witnesses this scene. This is when Mrs. Rooney asks if it's all right with the boys, how they would like to have both of them. Permission granted. We cut to the inside of the Agba school. Adam opens the door of one of the classrooms and he is upset that the students did so poorly on their exam, which is the reason why they are getting extra homework. Susan Goodspeed says this is not fair as her and her classmates head upstairs. Adam checks in with Houston, who's busy painting, and inquires if he's not overdoing it. He's only been back to work for a week. A grumpy Houston brushes this off, while Adam admits he's only asking because he cares. Houston, ah, eh, ain't nobody got time for that. Karen, I got plenty of work to do. At this moment, we hear a bell outside, and Houston rushes out the door and watches as Michael and Josh, who are apparently ladies' men, they've already got girlfriends. You can tell because they're holding hands with these girls and kissing them on the cheek as they are passing by the Agba porch. Houston smiles, knowing that these boys have found their happiness. So, I had considered doing a little research on the history of orphanages in the United States, maybe coming up with a little bit of trivia 
And truth be told, there's no little bit of trivia about orphanages in the United States. I also came across a few conflicting dates as to when the first orphanages appeared in the United States, as well as where they appeared. And truth be told, the history of orphanages is a master's thesis all upon itself, or even just a separate podcast. And other than that, there wasn't much more that inspired me for trivia. So, we'll get right to reviewing and rating this episode. I have to admit, I was really happy to see the return of Houston Lamb. After his introduction at the end of Season 6, I wasn't really sure if we were going to see him, even though he vocally stated he was going to stick around and help out at the school. And while we have had two episodes this season so far, where there was a scene or two that took place at the Agba, Houston has not been seen at all. Heck, I was even surprised when we got a glimpse of Hester Sue. And we also got a brief cameo from Susan Goodspeed. But there's just something about Houston Lamb that I really enjoy. Part of it, I do love listening to him talk, albeit I will confess he is a little hard to understand without the subtitles. But here he is, front and center. And I did enjoy how this episode focused on the very young Josh and Michael and our oldest cast member, mate, Houston Lamb. And it was the people in between those two age demographics that pretty much decided that they know what's best. Houston does have the good heart by first inviting Michael and Josh out of the rain. And he is aware that they do need to be taken care of, hence why he goes to talk with Deputy Garvey. But hearing the circumstances, he's holding out and wants something better for these two boys. His confession to Charles as he's lying in bed about how he knew this wasn't going to work and essentially lying to himself, that was kind of heart-wrenching. But deep down... He knows these boys do need one another. And speaking of boys, where's Andy? Last we saw of him, his face was all swollen thanks to Tim and the hooligans. But uh, where is he? There's two beds in the background inside the Garvey Freight Company warehouse. Charles and Albert are staying in Sleepy Eye, but nobody inquires where's he at? He can't be at school this whole time. And we know children attend school in Sleepy Eye. We see Michael and Josh leave it at the end of the episode. Albert arrives into town and doesn't even inquire where Andy is. And not only that, why is Albert even in this episode? He's only got a few more lines than Josh and all Josh says is, I love you at the end. Truthfully, he didn't need to be in any of the scenes he was present in. But one thing that was present is this week's Little House moment, which goes to Houston Lamb when he addresses everyone in Mr. Case's office 
about what these boys really need. Maybe it's because of his age or his experience. He knows exactly what to say. We don't know much about Houston Lamb, other than he doesn't have a bank account and he's been told to lay off farming five years ago. Was Houston himself an orphan? And perhaps that's why he speaks so well about this? Hmm. Well, fingers crossed, if we see him again, we find out just a little bit more about Houston Lamb. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. Truth be told, I really enjoyed this episode. I love seeing these bit characters who are introduced and eventually take center stage after an episode or two. It creates a, a nice cohesiveness for the Prairie Verse. At the end of season six, he said he was going to stick around the Agba to help out. So after a few episodes into season seven, to realize he's still around helps to bridge these two seasons even more together. Hester Sue has done that, sort of, since her introduction in season five. It, speaking of, why haven't we gotten a Hester Sue-centric episode? She's been around long enough. I mean, heck, at this point, Susan Goodspeed should have her own episode. And I did enjoy that we got to see the continuing adventures of Deputy Garvey. But I will say my biggest complaint about this episode actually has to deal with the two boys. And I'm not talking about Michael and Josh. I'm talking about Andy and Albert. Okay, I can understand not having Andy in any of the scenes, but at least name drop him. Oh, Andy's busy at school. Oh, Andy's at the general store. Oh, Andy got a job, other than helping out at the warehouse. Anything. But it's like Andy doesn't even exist. And then there's Albert, who did exist in this episode, but he didn't do anything. The one character in this episode who actually had insight about being an orphan and living in an orphanage doesn't do anything but be Charles's shadow. Again, if you watch the episode, every scene he is in, he maybe has a line or he's just there looking around. I would have loved it if during the scene, before Houston Lamb brings Michael and Josh back, if Albert actually said something about his own experience being in an orphanage, maybe telling off Mr. Case a little bit. But no, Andy is just there. So that is why we are going to give this episode a silent cry, four and a half bonnets. A quarter point off for Albert being there with no reason whatsoever, and Andy not being there and given no reason why he's gone. This episode was carried entirely by Houston Lamb, and it shows it. And, well, 
those are some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode, and I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love at Instagram and Gmail is how you can reach me. And again, as always, if you have a moment, please feel free to go ahead and leave a rating or review, or both, on your platform of choice to help spread the word on this podcast, as well as any other podcast you might be listening to. Come back next week when we go over Season 7, Episode 6, A Portrait of Love. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.